Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Brent Henningsen. Brent, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Brent is an enrolled actuary. He is the CEO of Sabre Pensions and Actuarial Services. I'm excited to have you on. Brent, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Absolutely. It's good to be here, George. I appreciate you having me. I live in the sunny state of Arizona, Um, been married now for 17 years and have three daughters, ages 15, 9, and 4, so that keeps us busy. Um, I'm an actuary, like you said, by background, and basically an actuary, some of your listeners may not know what that is, but it's a financial professional that helps manage risk, essentially. Um, I started with, with a global firm, you know, worked there for 15 years. Um, before starting out on my own a couple of years ago. And what I do now is I help small business owners reduce their taxes by putting in defined benefit plans. Nice. Well, I certainly appreciate that. So when you say defined benefit plans, is that is, are, are we talking about pension plans that, 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 that we used to have and really no longer do? Yeah, so it's, it is a type of pension plan. Um, when I worked at the larger provider before, I worked on sort of the large pension plans that are slowly going away. But with the small business owner, it's actually an area that's increasing. And it's because it gives them an opportunity to put in a lot of cash, like more than they could for like using a SEP or a 401k or profit sharing plan. And so for small businesses, you know, as small as one person, they're using defined benefit plans as a way to save for retirement. Got it. Nice. So how did you, did, did you just figure out a long time ago, I, I really love numbers. I, I, I really love crunching them. I, 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 I like to look at risk and forecast. How did that all, how did that all shake out? Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting question because I, I have always liked math and it's come naturally to me. I just didn't know what I wanted to do with it until, you know, probably about 18 years old or so. I knew someone who was an actuary and I was just telling him, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I know I love math. Um, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I, I just don't know what to do. And he's like, yeah, come check out, uh, come check out where I work. So I, you know, he, I went to his office for like an hour. He had all these graphs and charts and all this, these numbers. And, um, I just kind of knew I was captivated by what he did and, and kind of decided to, to go ahead and do that. Nice. Well, I'm awfully glad that there are people that are wired like you, Brent, because I would have run in the other direction. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, you know, this is, it's, it's one of those really sort of huge questions. What is, what are some of the the systemic problems with pension plans as, and, and that's, that's caused them to go out of favor or really kind of start to go away? Yeah, I mean, it's been it's kind of been a slow decline and it's accelerated by a few events. And, and there's a lot. So I won't talk about all of them, but some of it is just there's been um, there's a lot more regulation around pensions now. It makes it difficult for employers to comply with all the rules and regulations. Some of it's the way that pensions are accounted for. The accounting standards changed, um, you know, 
a while ago, but it caused CFOs to have to mark pensions to market, so to speak, rather than being able to smooth them on their financials. But and then we've had several market crashes, too, which has been brutal for, you know, for companies that have to guarantee these promises to their employees. But, you know, all these different forces have made pensions just a lot more difficult for employers to want to keep. Got it. Fair enough. So real quick, like if, 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 if that's possible. So a pension plan being a defined benefit plan is different from a 401k and IRA, and those are defined contribution plans, right? Can, That's right. Can, can you give me a quick what, what, what the main difference is or differences are? Yeah, so the big difference is with a defined contribution like a 401k, the employee and employer together, they put in money every year. But what that retirement is going to be is no, it's anybody's guess. It's going to grow um, with some rate of return based on the market. And it's going to be some unknown value at retirement that the person has to manage on their own. With the defined benefit plan, you actually do it the opposite. You define up front what the retirement benefit is going to be. And then the employer's on the hook to make sure that there's enough assets in, in the retirement account to, to pay for that benefit. So it's it's defining it up front rather than kind of letting the market decide what it'll be worth at retirement. Got it. That's okay. Interesting. So obviously with, 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 with my 401k, I put money in, my employer puts money in, it's invested in a mutual fund, that mutual fund goes up. I, I can see what the value of my account is, good or bad. And right. with, with the defined benefit plan, you as an actuary are sitting down with the business owner or the entity or whoever it is, and you're saying, okay, uh, if we have an employees come to work here, when and, and, and if they're here for 30 years, they're going to retire with X number of dollars. Um, am, am I sort of getting that right? Yeah, yeah, basically. So, um, and it really presents a really good opportunity for business owners because imagine a business owner who's, let's say, 45 years old, and the limit in terms of what the pension can be paid out um, is $3 million, basically. So somebody at 45 could put in a plan and get a payout of $3 million at 62. Um, they could, and that phases in over a 10-year period. So someone even at 52 could get $3 million after 10 years in a plan. And so you can imagine they have to put in large contributions every year, like $250,000 or so to get to that $3 million, it gives the owner a lot of opportunity to put money in when the 401k limits like $60,000 for the same person. Got it, sure. All right, so we're starting with the end in mind. So you say, okay, I have a really successful business here. I think that I can really put away, you know, sky's the limit, whatever. And, And then you sort of back into I wanna be able to retire 25, 20 years from now with $3 million. And then you just make the assumptions to say, okay, I think that based on what you're going to be invested in, we need to be contributing, we'll just use round numbers, $250,000 a year. Are there actual limits on how much you can put in or is it just based on we, we, we need to figure out how much to put in to create the amount of income later? Yeah, so there's the payout limit, the $3 million. Okay. Uh, and then you know there's there's annual limits as well. There's a range of contributions an employer can put in. So it's not that they have to commit to, let's say, 250 every year. They might be able to do 50,000 one year and, you know, like 350 the next year. So there's there's some variance that they can use 
and kind of overfund the plan when times are good um, with, you know, with the thought that they could put in less when cash is tight. I see. So when you say payout limit is $3 million, is that annual or is that the entire plan? Yeah, that's a lump sum. And usually, you know, they pay out the $3 million as a single sum payment. It's not like an annuity, like the traditional pensions. Um, and then they can roll that over to an IRA. Got it. Okay. Nice. Well, now I can I sort of, that sort of makes a little bit more sense as to just based on certain assumptions when major events in the economy or the stock market happen that would then put an organization in a tough place to have to make certain decisions about um, about moving the pension forward. So what what are what are some of the I guess who who's a great candidate for this? Yeah, so I mean to have a plan you have to be self-employed or own a business. Um, you know, usually they, it's age-based, so the f- the farther away you are from retirement, the smaller the contributions can be. So I'd say usually they need to be 35 or older. And then just someone who wants to put in more than, let's say, 60 grand a year. Because at that point, there's no other retirement vehicle that can help them exceed that limit. So, they, you know, they, at that point, they should be looking at a defined benefit plan. Got it. All right. And so how, how, how do the taxes work? Well, it works a lot like a traditional IRA or 401k where, you know, the contributions are, are tax deductible. They grow tax deferred. The, you know, the investment gains grow tax deferred. Um, you know, typically, like I said, it's rolled over to an IRA and then it, it's just would become taxable as they distribute it as ordinary income. Okay. Fair enough. And is it, is it are, are are you talking to to self-employed people, people that own a business? Is this just for the owner of the business, or is it for the all the employees? How does that work? Um, so the the driver is definitely going to be the owner and the owner's spouse if they're employed too. But if they have employees, they do need to cover at least a portion of them. And there's there's a complex rules around how much those employees need to get. Um, but typically if the owner is maxing out their contribution, they're going to need like eight to 10% of payroll, um, for those that are covered. Okay. So eight to eight to 10% of payroll for the other. And when you say those are covered, um, if there's five other full-time employees that have been there for a couple of years, is it safe to assume that they are going to be covered? Yeah. So yeah, in a situation like that, they would be covered. Um, and so part of the analysis that I do is I say, okay, let's say you have an owner and a spouse and between the two of them, they can put in $250,000 in contributions. And let's just make the math easy and say, you know, 40% is sort of like their marginal. I know that's not a marginal tax rate, but just say, you know, with, with considering state, local, federal, all that, um, 40% taxes, so, you know, they have a hundred thousand in tax savings or tax deferral. Um, and then back to your example, let's say they have five employees and it's like a hundred thousand in payroll. Um, that'd be kind of a lean payroll, but let's say it is. Um, and it costs them $10,000 in employee benefits. Then we're going to weigh the tax savings of a hundred thousand against the $10,000 of employee benefits. And in, you know, in that case, the owner comes out really far ahead. Nice. Okay. Fair enough. So, who are 
who are the traditional parties to putting a defined benefit plan in place? Obviously, you and your firm kind of just design the plan and manage the contributions. Then there's the business owner. Who else is involved typically? Yeah, so usually there's going to be a financial advisor involved um, and they're going to manage the funds. And, and so the cool thing about a defined benefit plan is the assets are pooled. It's not like a 401k where they're typical and, you know, typically individual accounts. And so because of that, the advisor helps manage the entire plan. Um, so you're going to have have the advisor. You're going to have the CPA is going to be involved, too, because, I mean, this interacts with taxes. Um, and then you're going to have the custodian, which would be just just the firm holding the plan assets like, you know, Fidelity or Schwab or whoever they want to use. Got it. And from your experience, you've, you've, you've been at this for, for a good little while. What, what are some of the biggest mistakes that, 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 that you tend to see people make? Um, so in terms of like plan design, I would say some of the bigger mistakes I see made is just a lack of communication. Well, this is, there's design where, um, maybe just thinking about the first year and not really getting a sense of what the employer is trying to accomplish long term and designing the plan with with that in mind. That's one mistake. And then the other one I see a lot is just communication. I mean, there's there's a lot of regulations around these plans. And so the third party administrator and actuary, which is me, needs to be aware of, you know, and communicate to the to the employer things that they need to know. And then when those things change, then, you know, we might need to make changes to the plan. So that communication is really critical. Yeah, well, that certainly makes sense. So once somebody starts a defined benefit plan and puts the thing in motion, can they just decide to stop one day? How, how does that work? Um, yeah, no, that's a really good question. So, I mean, the IRS says that the plans need to be what, what they call, it's called a permanency requirement. And it doesn't mean that the plan needs to be around forever, but it does mean that someone shouldn't start a plan with with the idea of, you know, hey, after a year or two, I'm going to terminate this. You know, the IRS doesn't like that because it feels like a tax gimmick. That's kind of a one or two year play. Um, but, you know, with small businesses, things can change rapidly. I mean, we've seen that with, you know, with current events. But so, I mean, if a business goes out of business or the plan becomes unaffordable, um, you know, there just needs to be a justification for terminating the plan earlier than I'd say five years. Got it. All right. So is this something that, that you see done in place of a 401k, for example, or a SEP IRA, or is this something that, that people will often do together with, with another one of those plans? Yeah, they'll, usually they'll do them together. So, um, especially if they have employees, because the best design or in, in general, the best design when you have employees is to give the owner the large benefit in the defined benefit plan. You give the employees some benefit in the, in the defined benefit, but most of theirs is going to come through the profit sharing um, plan. And that's just a cheaper way for the owner to provide uh, sort of equal benefits um, and, and reduce costs at, as much as they can. Got it. So if somebody's sitting there and they're, they're listening and they say, okay, yeah, I, I guess I already have a 401k, but I guess it'd be neat to be able to put some additional money away. I assume that it's a pretty easy conversation for you to have just based on what, whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish and how much they'd like to be putting aside what they'd be able to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's usually the first step is someone comes to me and says, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Here's what I currently have. Then I can put together an illustration and help, you know, just see what we can do in terms of meeting their objectives. Got it. Perfect. Well, Brett, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? Yeah, I would say with, you know, just in terms of, of these type of plans, a lot of people in the industry think like if somebody's not in their 50s or 60s that a DB plan just is not a good fit. And that's something I, I hear floating around with CPAs. But I what I'm starting to see more and more is, you know, people in their mid 30s and 40s are embracing these plans because, you know, it's sort of like the bird in the hand. If they're making money today and they're starting, you know, potentially today and don't have a lot of employees, then it's a good time to put in money. Um, while the business remains small and knowing that things are profitable now, you know, rather than waiting 15 or 20 years and who knows what the business can look like at that point. And it may not make sense at, you know, in 15 or 20 years. I just say, um, it's worth exploring for all ages, even if it's someone who's, you know, farther out from retirement. Like there's great stuff that definitely gets, come on, come on. Brett, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? So they can visit my website, um, saberpension.com. And so that's S-A-B as in boy, E-R, pension.com. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Brent your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to saberpension.com. And if you are curious if this would be a good fit for you, reach out and uh, have that initial consultation. So thank you again, Brent. All right. Thanks so much, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.